Well, howdy, motherfuckers. How is everyone doing today? Welcome to episode eight of Making Sparkles, a podcast about the making of the musical Sparkle Pony Bear. I am your host, your tour guide on this pleasure cruise of fun, composer, writer, producer, T.C. Crosser. I'm going to go right into it. Uh, episode seven, kind of left with a cliffhanger. I was kind of in an emotional state of despair. <laughs> All kinds of fun, fucking hell. So again, as I always remind you, go back, listen to the previous episodes for all five of you that care. Um, it was kind of fun. But with all that, with all the craziness and everything that happened, I have now released a new, hopefully final version of the opening of the entire musical Sparkle Pony Bear. It's, the song's called Thanks for Everything. Um, this one is featuring singer Roy Flores. I'm just going to leave it at that. Hope you enjoy.
second just so you could kind of stew on that <laughs> and there okay so uh, as you heard it it's a pretty far departure from what we've heard thus far of this opening song um obviously there's always room for improvement there's different things that i still want to finesse and fine tune and tweak but i think we finally have a really good solid direction to kind of build this show off of and this is very indicative of my creative process. I usually start with like just a very generic, basic, like just mama's gotta just get it out, right? You know. And from that, we got melody lines, we've got lyrics, we've got structure. Um, <clears throat> and then I take that and then I do a second pass. And then the second pass is where I really try to just stay true to what I wrote, but I try to finesse, fine tune, tweak. Um, and then inevitably my manic state of depression kicks in. And as you heard in the last episode, <laughs> I lose my shit. Um, and then I completely got everything. And then I come back to the table and, and that's how I did. So uh, did this. Um, so let's unpack this a little bit. Let, let's figure out how did I get to this point. Um, so the first major hurdle is more emotional. Um, there, there comes a point when you've created something and you're listening to it over and over again. And because you wrote it, hopefully you're writing something you want to hear. So, so I'm enjoying what I'm hearing, but I'm, I'm not being objective. So then the next step after like hours of listening to the same track over and over again, I start to realize, okay, these are the moments I like, and these are the moments that I think, usually it, it equates to me like, is it cool or is it cheesy? And that's, it's like, it's basically two buckets. And I just kind of go through and I go, all right, all of these things I enjoy, all these things I think are just too cheesy and generic. And then uh, and that's usually where the the process starts. Um, inevitably, as I explained, I go a little crazy because I'm not getting what's in my head out. And it's not because I don't know how to score what I'm hearing in my head. It's because sometimes you don't hear it in your head. You just, it's a feeling, it, it, there's emotion to it. And <clears throat> for this, the emotion wasn't coming out. Um, the lyrics and the melody are so stark. They have this kind of connotation of fuck you and you're a horrible human being and I'm so glad that we're done. Um, but that wasn't the intention, as a, again, I described in the last episode. So, so on this next pass, I looked at the opening more as the ending. 
Um, it's a time travel musical, for Christ's sake. Might as well go for broke and fuck with time. And what I realized was I wasn't hearing the opening. I was hearing the ending in my head. And in the context of the ending, all of this makes perfect sense to me because this is the end of this relationship, that this character, this Sparkle character, he's trying to beef himself up. He's trying, as he's so prone to do as a human being, to just kind of go, the world's out to get me, or screw you, I'm awesome, I'm happy. You know, it, it's kind of like taking self-love in a very stark and very dramatic direction, which I'm always really fascinated with. Um, just because of my own upbringing and my own background, I, I will be overly humble at times, I will be overly sympathetic, um, but it's in the exact opposite direction of this character where it's negative in that I'm so worried about what everyone else thinks, I forget what I actually think. This character is the exact opposite. He's so self-absorbed in his own misery, in his own plight, that he doesn't realize how he's coming off. He doesn't care how he's coming off. He's just in that kind of reverse manic state. So so when I reattacked the song, it wasn't about... Well, it started with me trying to rewrite it, <clears throat> and the rewriting wasn't working. Um, and then I started... So, so there's this uh, YouTube series called Composer Cribs. It's by Spitfire Studios. They do a lot of great samples and effects for composers to use, mainly for film scores. Um, but they have this whole little side thing where they go into composers' uh, offices, studios, cribs. Um, and it, it, from there, I was starting to realize a lot of composers, when they hit that wall, when they hit that point, where they don't know what to do, they, they focus on the sounds, the instruments themselves, and how they sound, and if they're presenting it. So, so I kind of took that, and I started with just a bass tone, a, a, a bass sound to kind of pull from. And so what I heard in my head was more, it was more like an organ sound. So it, See if I could pull this up. So really, it was sounding kind of more like. I mean, that isn't at all what it's supposed to sound like, but that's just the general gist. So, so what I did was I took a typical pre-plug-in organ. And then I just butchered the hell out of it. Uh, let's see, what, what uh, tracks do I have going on here? So it's a vintage B3 organ. I adjusted the EQ settings to kind of bring out the bass end to give some more grit. And then I created two separate bus channels. They go out to two separate reverb formats that kind of help me better hear everything and, and make better sense of it. And that's, and that's just it, that was the opening. So I kind of started with that, put that on a loop. Um, <clears throat> because I'm in Logic, my workstation's already set up to be at the right BPM, um, everything's modular, so everything from vocals to different 
other MIDI tracks that I've created. Everything can be cut, pasted, moved around. And as long as I'm fitting the structures of the measures, I can really do whatever the hell I want. So, so I kind of started with that, the bass sound and just hearing that with the vocals and it, it kind of opens it up, right? Because I'm like going, okay, there's like a darkness. So, so with darkness must come light. So then I started monkeying around with, an, I'm calling it the Nintendo sound. Something like that, nice and fun. And, and that really, all it is, is just a standard um, ESP keyboard. And then I added a bit crusher, which basically makes it sound like, you know, translates it into like 8-bit sound. Um, and then after that, I put it through a big space uh, echo reverb filter. So, so now I kind of have these two little, you know, I've got that sound, I got the... So I've got these two distinct sounds that kind of give me a little bit more electronic depth. Um, and then because of that, I was like, oh, I can kind of monkey with a piano. And so what the piano sound is allowing me to do is to kind of hone this back more into a sense of reality, I guess. You know, that, you know. So, so now that I have a sound palette, I'm able to kind of go in and experiment and augment and twist things around. So, so the song, what I did was I broke it in, in half. So I have the opening, which is pretty, I mean, from a structure standpoint, is unchanged. You have an opening, you have a verse, and the verse leads into a pseudo bridge into a chorus. I kind of kept that the same because I wanted the audience to kind of go on this journey with me. And part of getting them along for the ride is you got to get them on the bus to begin with. <laughs> so so I, I start with that. So building on a Nintendo sound and building on an organ sound and then kind of starting with that building block and setting up. Um, the narrative structure, the piano kind of comes in as this very different instrument from the rest of the pack. And the piano is what helps propel it into the next section. So as an audience, it's like a, a subconscious thing. When you hear the piano, you know it's moving somewhere. It's, it's going somewhere else. Um, and so that that's the first half. And then the second half was just really a lot of trial and error and a lot of experimentation. Um, I tried to keep, um, the only thing in structure that really changed a huge amount was incorporating the organ and removing the guitar sounds and, as you can tell, removing the drums, which were a nightmare. Um, so I kind of, once I backed all that out and I kind of created this playground, all I really did was I just moved around and I kind of switched. So where you were hearing verse, bridge, chorus, I took the bridge, moved that into the verse, which kind of created this weird, cool, kind of ambient thing. Then I chunk it out and I just go for broke and I create this very long kind of instrumental section um, that really helps me just kind of emotionally map out what I'm trying to say with this. Uh, and then 
I kind of give everyone the tasty treat, the dessert, which is the end where I combine the bridge or one of the final bridge sections and I overlap it with the chorus section. And what I did, Mathletes Unite, is I treated, so, so the chorus chord structure is basically four major chord changes um, over, oh, I think like eight measures. So what I did was I concatenated it to three major chord changes, and then that way you're kind of looping. So it's kind of like if you're a composer and you've been dealing with this, it's like basically taking three, four time and mapping it on top of four, four time. And it, it's on an easier level. It's like like when you write in seven, eight time, it's at one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two. There's like that little skip. <clears throat> By doing that on a more ma macro scale, on the measures themselves, I'm allowed to kind of have this kind of like jump and start. Um, and I can kind of give you an example of that. So it sounds something like this. And when you start doing that on a loop, you see that here's three major chord changes. The fourth chord change is actually the root chord. So instead of adding a root chord and then repeating, instead I just kind of loop it. Um, and that looping mechanism is what creates this driving feel at seven, eight, like one, two, three, four, one, two. It's just, it's got this little, it's got this punk to it. Um, <coughs> But importantly, not changing the vocals um, and letting the vocals still fill out that full four section, four chord progression. And then what that kind of allows me to do is create a driving beat underneath everything while still kind of retaining true to what the singer is supposed to be singing. Um, oh, that was a lot of explanation. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why can't we just tell stories about me being an alcoholic? Um, and we'll get there. Uh, so, so that was the, those are the building blocks. That's kind of the thought process. Um, maybe I should go into more detail, but at this point I'm a little, <laughs> a little burnt out. Um, just full disclaimer, I had fully recorded this podcast already like twice and then just wasn't happy with it. I think I went on too many tangents, went a little crazy. Uh, so, so this is actually the very highly concatenated version of explaining that song. Um, and I think it's because it, as much fun as it is for me to go into the detail of like, you know, I use east-west um, sounds for all my sampling. So I'm part of, I subscribe to their Composer Cloud, which for 20 bucks a month, you get all of the different samplings that they offer. And it's kind of like Adobe Creative Cloud. You, you sign up. Uh, there was a very long explanation of that. And then I was like, oh, that's just too much of an endorsement. Um, so that that's where that that's where the song kind of leaves off, right? I've experimented, I've broken it out, I've kind of explored all these different sounds and these different themes. So then it leaves like the really big question. Okay, so you wrote this opening 
and it was inspired as the ending. But what now? Now that you've done that, like w- you still have a whole fucking show to write. What are you going to do? Well, I'll get right to that right after this brief break, which will not be a break for you, but will be a break for me. <sighs> Sometimes mommy just needs to catch her breath. <laughs> um, so yeah, that... Uh, so that's a so that's like the million dollar question. Um, I've completely changed the tone and sound of the show, and I think in that discovery, and I'm I'm kind of double dipping because a lot of this I explained and was kvetching about in the previous episode, which I just have to say it was it, it felt so good just to kvetch about actors and the difference between an actor versus a recording artist and thank you all four of you for bearing with me in that emotional moment um i'm just uh, yeah because i'm an emotional composer i uh, i have my own manic moments um and i think with sparkle pony bear it's such a personal story um and what i realized in the process of working on this was I was having a lot more fun working on the songs and I, I felt like the actual story and the staging and the script was really kind of holding me back. It was creating some significant limitations because I kept worrying about, well, how is it going to look or how how is this going to be portrayed? So what I've decided to do instead, as explained, um, it's, I'm going to treat it like an album. So, like like the Who's Tommy. Um, start with it being just an album that I'm working on with this actual premise. And then once I started to build that out, I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I'm going, all right, well, here are my two themes. Both themes are two-year chunks. The theme that the central characters actually... The theme that Sparkle, (laughs) the abusive ex, is singing about is basically recapping the two years they were together in this relationship. So so he's opening with the end of the relationship, and then from there, we're going to go back to the very beginning and build it up. On top of that, what I'm doing is I'm taking my childhood, as I kind of know it, and obviously I'm embellishing from 16 to 18 and, and mirroring, mirroring the examples and issues where those two correlate, you know. So, so, like, so this is where we get into fun story time, right? So when I was a kid, it was, you know, I grew up in Iowa. I'm the oldest of six kids. Uh, my dad was never around. He left my mom before they were even married. She's pregnant with me. Um, my mom has been since married twice. Uh, she's on her, well, I guess her second husband, third partner. Uh, it was just, it was a very, there's a lot that happened in my childhood. <laughs> it was a very complex time, and but it was also very informative. Those last two years were what created this drive to just run 
run as fast as you can, run as far away from everything as you can. And because of that, I joined the Navy. And then I was in the Navy for two years as a naval nuclear operator. And then I came out of the closet. And it was almost like at 18, I was finally starting to explore myself and figure out my sense of self-identity. But because the 16 to 18 year chunk was such this kind of abysmal failure for me, it was just so much torture, so so much going on in my head, I never actually had a real childhood. I, I didn't understand what was happening. So, you know, I did the Navy for two years, then I got out, then I become, you know, got entangled in my first abusive relationship you know, before I even met Sparkle Pony Bear. And, and then from that, I became like this crazy drug addict and drug dealer. And then from that, I was in New Orleans for a brief stint as a jazz pianist. And then after that, I moved to San Diego and started working in experimental performing arts and was a punk rock producer and ended up being adopted by these two amazing gay dads. And I, I mean, it was just this cataclysmic roller coaster because I was just always running. I was like, I'm running and eventually I'm gonna to get to a point, and when I get to that point, I'm gonna be happy. And I just, I never got there. And then you fast forward, and you look at the two years I was with Kevin, and it was two years of amazing highs, and even more dramatic lows, and it was crazy, and it was tumultuous. And, and through that, after 10 years of living in San Francisco and being this crazy, drunk, experimental artist, I moved to New York, and I get into musical theater, and, and now it's a whole other life I'm living. And so really what I'm trying to capture is that these two two-year time periods are no different than... <clears throat> they're no different than each other. There's no differences between the two. In my mind, these two-year periods, the only thing that separates them is time. But the emotional connotations, the experiences and the things that I went through are very, very similar. The only difference is time. And because of that time, how I handled them and what I did afterward. So, so having a concept album really frees you up and kind of allows you to experiment and figure out these themes without the rigid the rigid construct of like script and outlines and, and, and all of that. So, so the hope is to keep going as I'm going, to kind of create this as an album, song by song, chunk by chunk, and let that kind of dictate how a script would look. How, how would that dictate how the structure of this is going to happen? And I think it's also really important because it's like theater is not supposed to be as rigid and rudiment. It's not supposed to be... I'm talking like an idiot. Fuck my life. Um, theater is supposed to be experimental. It's supposed to be expressive. And I think a lot of us in the theater world, we're also worried about making money. We're also worried about being marketable. We want people to love us. We want people to to be passionate about what we're doing. And because of that, sometimes we fall into these traps where it's like, well, I need to rush to get the script out so I can do a staged reading because that's how everyone's going to see this and they're going to love me. You know, Even me doing the podcast is kind of that construct, right? I need to get this out. I need them to hear this, all four of you, because... I need you to love me. I need you to love what I'm doing. 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But being aware of it means that I want to kind of fall on my strengths. And my strengths are being in the studio. My strengths are experimenting with what I've already created. My weakness is going to be starting from scratch on a script first and then music second. I, 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 don't, I, can't, I can't reverse engineer something. So it has to start with the music and let the music emotionally dictate how the script's gonna go. And I think that's what makes this song so important is that it sets all of that up. You hear that, you hear that kind of three structure into four structure um, chorus and it just it, it pushes you, it propels, it, it keeps going to the next place. And I think that's just really important. I think it's something that I'm gonna really enjoy exploring. And so the next step is trying to find an opening, you know, a second number, um, but this time that really kind of starts at the beginning of both time points and starts to map out what's gonna happen. Um, we're at the 30 minute mark. <laughs> I just, just throwing it out there. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's where I'm gonna leave off. I think, yeah, I'm tired. Uh, but again, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and SoundCloud and Facebook and YouTube, all of them with T-C-C-R-O-S-S-E-R, T-C Crosser. Um, so interact with me, let me know what you think. This episode, probably the most tangential piece of what the fuck um, out there, but hey, I got it done, I got it out there. And now it's up to you to enjoy this magic. Um, I am nothing without your comments and your feedback. I, up to this point, have been kind of making it up as I go along. I don't really know what of this is useful. Right now, it's just kind of a vanity project. The more I hear from you, the more I'm going to update and input. But with that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it a day. I'm going to close this out. And I'm going to close with a score called Pirates! Exclamation point. It was, uh, it's a score that I used in a Microsoft commercial in an anti-piracy PSA that Colin Monda out in Seattle directed. Um, yeah, this is, this is going on quite a few years ago. Um, this actually was one of the first things I worked on while I was first dating Sparkle Pony Bear, so it's kind of fitting. It's a nice little fuck you. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna close it out with that. I'm gonna leave this be what it is, and yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Sorry, I kinda closed it out on such a quick note, but mommy's got a lot of shit to do, so. Crispy, crispy tacos. One, two, three.